2: The Streams of Winter. Livestream for Asha Greyjoy.
3: Hello and welcome to The Streams of Winter. We are Radio Westeros and thanks for tuning in to our livestream today. Last week we focused on Theon Greyjoy and today we turn our gaze towards his sister Asha in The Winds of Winter. What will be Asha's role in the upcoming book? To help me answer all questions, here's the other half of Radio Westeros, Lady Gwyn.
2: Hello there. Hey, everyone. Thanks for being here today. Uh, Really excited to talk about Asha in the Winds of Winter. And to help us with that conversation, let us also welcome our guest returning here. Welcome, Aziz.
0: Hey, everybody. It's great to be here. I'm so... Super happy to be talking about Asha. We don't get to uh, talk about um, some of these Winds of winner characters nearly enough, I think.
2: (laughs) I think you're right. I think we tend to focus on some of the, you know, much more major characters. Um, So it's kind of cool to break down. Um, She's still a major character, a point of view character, but uh, she doesn't get enough love, I think. Yeah. Let's do we it. maybe have
0: some ideas on why she might be a little more major, don't we? <laughs>
2: yes, we do. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, actually. So, um, quick reminder, everyone listening uh, about spoilers, spoilers, everything. We usually uh, don't talk about the show in our regular episodes, but here we'll be talking books, spoiler chapters, show, uh, and beyond, you name it. So, uh, why don't we uh, back over to you, Yoke Boy, and get started.
3: Okay, let's begin our discussion on Asher. So, in 2014, George appeared on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He was kind of beavering away in his studio, and in the background, you could see his computer monitor, and he appeared to be writing or editing something. So, the fandom grabbed their magnifying glasses to see if they could decipher what was written on that screen. And based on this screenshot, what's known now as the Asher Fragment, it seems like she'll be our Battle of Ice point of view. So, my question, and I'll start with you Lady Gwyn, if Asher's confirmed POV, will there be others because say in the black water it was complex it wasn't just from a single person's point of view what do you think
2: um yeah no i think that the you know there's an obvious answer in that theon is um they're right there sharing a space with asha so we we certainly could get uh some of his viewpoint on the battle uh you know they might be in slightly different spaces when the battle happens. Uh, but there, there might be others. I mean, other thoughts, guys?
0: Well, we're talking about which POVs we might get to for the Battle of Ice? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The, certainly um, there's some other options but with, like what you said, the fragment tells us a lot. and Just the fact that she's got the proximity and the fact that she's already been our POV for the lead up to it right she's the last chapter we get um, in Dance with Dragons of course in the Winds of Winter we get the Theon chapter but Asha's in that so um, as far as since we know there won't be new POVs if there if it weren't for that if if george hadn't said there won't be new povs minus epilogue prologue then we could we would we, we could be infinite here with our potential guesses but thank you george for narrowing that down a little bit
2: <laughs>
0: but <laughs> right. it, it's it's kind of hard to like imagine john i mean it's possible that john could be there the, the witness or davos but I mean, these guys don't even know where this Crofter's village is. <laughs> like, how are they going to even find it? It's not it? like they
2: have a phone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, so,
2: hey, get over here I quick. I think it's
0: <laughs> we can entertain the possibility of something else, but it just seems really straightforward that it'll be Asha or maybe Theon that g- that gives us, or both. I mean, we've had battles with multiple POVs before, so we could certainly give that some consideration that it'll be multiple a multiple POV affair.
3: One idea that I've heard is that we get some of this in a brand POV because there was the noted weirwood on the on the island there. Do you give that any thoughts, Aziz?
0: Um, not really because, I mean, yes, but I ultimately would say no, probably not because I think George is going to be really sparing with the brand chapters. But even if you don't agree with that, it seems a little odd. I mean, why, when you have someone right there to see it, why would we need this mystical, supernatural view of it? On the other hand, the answer to that question might be something George has in mind that's really important. Just because I don't have a, a an answer to why, doesn't mean there isn't one. <laughs> this is George's imagination we're talking about here, after all. So, uh, But, I, again, multi-point po- of view. So, with that option, I, I'm really just against... Uh, a prediction of Brand being the only POV for it—that oh, yeah. a little wacky to me. But yeah, multiple no POVs, yeah, that I can see that, and certainly him looking back on it. Maybe, maybe he's got like a um, a POV just after it, and he thinks about what he just saw. Maybe.
3: Um. Oh, that's interesting. So, if the Asha fragment has confirmed to us now that she will be perhaps the main POV, let's say, of this battle, how many? POVs will Asher get in total in wins bearing in mind it's just such a crowded field what do you think Lady Gwynne?
2: Well you know last week I I mentioned that I, I feel like Theon's arc is more important than him just continuing to be a fly on the wall for what's going on around him so I don't see him staying with Stannis to continue to give us that exposition like he did inside Winterfell in A Dance with Dragons. So I think that that's going to have to be Asha uh, showing us, you know, what Stannis is up to in this battle and beyond um, up to a point. So I would say she's got at least three in, you know, a battle kind of aftermath and then kind of what happens next. I mean, what happens next might be after Stannis dies or um or who knows maybe some other things that we're going to talk about later in the episode but and god knows if she returns to the iron islands there, you know there could even be more but
3: so you're saying at least 3 and that's quite logical i think so what do you think aziz does does that sound right to you 3 or 4
0: yeah i think it sounds right to me i could see it being a lot more uh 3 is how many she had in in a dance of dragons and that would be and like y'all said The field getting so crowded is a real issue as far as guessing more than a few for any character, even though we know some of them are going to be trimmed down. And the fact that Theon is nearby, at least for now, uh, they, they could get split up. But in the short term, that's an argument that she might have some of her scenes will be seen through Theon's eyes. Uh, it really is a big question afterwards, though. I think that she's pretty much a lock for the Battle of Ice. After that, um, like you say, she can't just be gone. Uh, I don't expect she'll die during the Battle of Ice. She may not survive the book, but I don't think during the Battle of Ice, her dying during that would be kind of wild. Um, no, she's, a, she's, a, she's a useful hostage to either side, so her death is, would be kind of uh, unexpected for that reason. So... But yeah, like it's, like you said, there's other stuff we have to talk about later in the episode that involves her being a witness to things. And this in that case, she might be even more uh, solitary in terms of witness potential, or at least the, the field is narrowed down even more. So that really does lend itself to at least three, potentially six or seven, which would be really high. I mean, seven is how many Theon had in Dance with Dragons. And that's the fourth most. It was... You know, John, Tyrion, Daenerys, Theon, (laughs) you know, so not that he was, you know, there's a pretty big gap between Danny and Theon, but still, there's a lot, the point is, there's a lot going on in the North, the North is becoming important again, it wasn't very, it wasn't prominent at all in Storm of Swords, uh, because Bran, Winterfell was burned, and Bran was heading to the Wall, so... Sure, he's in the North, but it wasn't... The Northern politics was was gone for a while because um, Roose Bolton's in the South and there's no manpower. So it's really coming back as a major plot now. So I could see a lot of attention being paid to it. kind of like replacing the Riverlands as our main <laughs> non-King's Landing and non-Wall <laughs> spot <laughs> to be spending a lot of time in.
3: Okay, so... Why don't we continue discussing the North and the so-called Battle of Ice? Now, this battle was set up in A Dance with Dragons, but George ran out of pages. There are binding limits, so it will no doubt make an epic inclusion to the early chapters of Winds. And leading into this battle, Stannis seems confident given that he holds the ground. So why exactly is Stannis feeling so sure of himself given the dire state of his, his
0: ranks and the weather? What do you think, Aziz? Well, it's really interesting having, I just reread the uh, final Asha chapter and having reread the Theon chapter recently and then looking at our notes and everything, because the pers- the perspective on stannis from his soldiers uh before the theon chapter is that he's a little bit lost maybe he's been staring in the flames too much um they still there's there's no question of their loyalty but they're all just really unsure what's going to happen and they don't feel like stannis and stannis hasn't been seen in a few days when he comes out for the burning that asha witnesses no one's seen him except for a few a close associates in like three days so and they've been there at the crofters village for 19 days so, but then you go to Theon chapter, and you get close up on Stannis, and he is issuing orders, he's got plans, he's on top of things, it's like classic old Stannis, where he is just on top of things, and and has um, a lot of, he has, he has energy, and he has, um, he knows what he's doing, basically, whether it's gonna work or not, I don't know, but he is... Seem somewhat confident and aggressive, and it's it's Stan is taking charge basically. There's A lot of ways you could put that, but it's a it's a night and day kind of perspective when you look at what the what people are seeing from him, and then you actually get up close, and he's he's pretty on top of things despite the desperate situation. He certainly is not afraid, not showing it, or he doesn't seem to be feeling lost. And and as y'all said, the. Uh, he seems to have a plan and it may relate to what we're seeing with uh it's kind of foreshadowed by that one ranger uh noseless ned who's like there's too many holes in the ice y'all it's, <laughs> it's a miracle more people haven't fallen in <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's like mm, yeah it's yeah, exactly. like are you telling us something here yeah. and uh <laughs> so yeah i think that's a pretty big deal And, uh, I think, so I think Stannis has his confidence in his plan. He's confident in the quality of the leadership of his opponents, which is to say not very high quality. And that gives him confidence. He's, he knows how important leadership is and he thinks theirs is bad. And, uh, he likes what he's heard from Winterfell. He knows he has the upper hand as far as undermining their trap. He knows, um... In the uh, last Asha chapter, everyone's like, oh, the Karstarks are going to be given Winterfell when we take it. But then in the Theon chapter, that's <laughs> you find out, nope, definitely not going to give to the Karstarks because Stannis has sniffed out their treason. So uh, I think you, it gets the impression that Stannis is going to do well because he seems so confident and prepared. And even though it looks bad, he's got a plan. And, and, and I don't know, it gives me confidence. Maybe it's just Stannis's confidence is is uh meant to trick us a little bit but I-, I believe it
2: i i do too i think you know i think when he <laughs> he says to theon we hold the ground and and theon who he has you know he has these flashes where he's kind of like his old self and he's like what do you mean we hold the ground and you can tell he's thinking of sort of the traditional We hold the higher ground. That's very, you know, very traditional military, you know, maxim where you hold the high ground, you're you're going to win. But that's not what Stannis is talking about. He never said we hold the high ground. He just said we hold the ground. And he's obviously it's it just he says it with such confidence. And then, like he said, the Boltons have blundered. You know, they because they've sent out, uh, you know, most of their strength or or at least half their strength, I guess, um, arguably. and really all they really had to do was wait wait, and uh, let Stannis and his troops die in the snow. So his confidence is definitely, like you said, night and day between the end of Dance, beginning yeah. of Winch. And it's not empty,
0: right? Like he gives yeah. reasons. He yeah, has reasons. Like, he, I definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: definitely feel that from him. It was kind of like, oh, this is the Stannis that, you know, we're <laughs> that we, the Stannis <laughs> that we knew and loved <laughs> has returned.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was just thinking about Janos Slint getting his head cut off. That's all he really needed to like, re rejuvenate. He's like, man, Jon Snow really did the right thing there.
3: Yeah. I, I liked that. <laughs> He's
2: like, Not really? Yeah.
3: <laughs> so let's talk about something which might be making Stannis happy. That these holes in the ice. Um, Lady Gwyn, how do you see this kind of trap working? How's it going to function when you've got an ice where, you know, it's been pointed out, it's been drilled, and hmm. there's been circles cut into it? How, how do you think Stannis is thinking about this as a trap?
2: Well, I mean, you know, he's... he's we all clearly think that he's thinking of, um, getting, getting the phrase onto the ice one way or the other. Um, the, you know, it's like Chekhov's thin ice. (laughs) It's it's mentioned enough times (laughs) late in a dance with dragons that the ice is very thin. Um, so, you know, um, does he, we talked about this in our, most recent episode that, you know, does he put a, um, some sort of something out on that eye on the Island where the, where the weirwood tree is to sort of lure them out there to make them think that the ice is solid, maybe not even ice, maybe just solid ground that, you know, they could just, um, you know, here's, here's, I would think maybe the Northmen wh- because they have the, um, they have the, whatever they call them in the books, but basically they're snowshoes. Uh, so they can get out there um, probably relatively safety, whereas, you know, Stannis' heavy horse probably should stay off the ice. Uh, so, you know, my thought was he would bait the trap with Northman on the island and then, um, well, there's lots of ideas, aren't there, about how he could cause the ice to break, um, you know, there's they, uh, the famous night lamp theory, which I think we should we should probably give a, a lot of consideration to.
3: Yeah, the, I think the idea of the night lamp theory is that Stannis gives some kind of signal, perhaps using his magical sword. Remember that it glows. So if it's at night, he might kind of be on a tower and wave that sword. And then he could use catapults, onto onto the ice to to make it collapse when he wants to so everything's on his terms and you know he really would be holding the ground as he said what do you think to this idea aziz is, is there any kind of historical parallel that it speaks to
0: well um as far as a historical parallel to Ice fighting, there's definitely a lot of examples of in the real world. Um, there's one particularly famous example that I'm, I'm f- forgetting at this point, but I'll, I'll find it. Is it um, ne- Nevsky? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. So basically, there's lots of places in the world, especially Russia and Scandinavia and some other places that have areas that are. Very different depending on what time of year it is. There's like large lakes that freeze over completely and thoroughly versus, uh, you know, maybe not so thoroughly. (laughs) And Stannis, speaking again to Stannis' confidence, he's uh, very experienced in battle. um, And he has the kind of conviction that shows that he understands what factors matter most. And he knows that he's just so confident in this trip trap working. You, you mentioned what Theon said before Lady Gwynne. He said, what ground this wretched little village? You have no high ground here. No walls to hide behind. No natural defenses. And he says, yet. <laughs> and then the Ravens say, Yet. Then one quaked and the other muttered, "Tree, tree, tree." So yeah, I think that's part of what y'all were saying with the whole with the tree on the island, and and maybe that could play a role somehow. But yeah, I think the night lamp is a big deal because it's the way that the tower, even if there's no, even if he doesn't use his sword, which I think is a great idea as far as a signal, as at least it gives him an option to do that. But just the tower as a beacon to sh- to lead the phrase towards it, and the Boltons or whoever is coming there, and the Manderleys, they'll be. Uh, it's, it makes they want to be found. They don't want them to be looking around and approach the battle from a different direction. They want to lead them on a specific uh, path and have them approach a specific way. It really sets it up nicely because uh, they are using their own apparent weakness as part of the trap. Stannis says. His knights will be horsed, ours must might a foot, his men will be well nourished, ours go into battle with empty bellies. It makes no matter. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> in fact, it might he's he's almost arguing that it will help because it will make them overconfident. He, it will make them he's like, well, they're gonna rush in and finish. It's almost like the the arguments about Brienne. Like Brienne's um mastered arms told him told her, like, look, they're gonna want to beat you quickly because they won't want anyone to say they were tested by a woman so you know take your time play defense let them come at you and so that's it's a similar kind of argument here they're they to them this should be easy to to the to the phrase and manderleys they're looking at what they think is going to be an easy fight just mop up duty so they're not going it goes against their nature of showing courage to be cautious against a weak foe so, that all is real. All these things are working really well for Stannis. And he just seems to. I think he's just very. He's seized on all that and is a- absolutely certain that it will work because he understands the, the mind of, of low level commanders like Sir Stupid, as he calls him.
2: <laughs> right. I was just going to say, let's talk about stupid Hostine Frey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's. <laughs>
3: so, if this ice trap, if the fandom's got it right in this ice trap really works what's going to happen to the Frey contingent will or the whole host fall into the ice or is that kind of wishful thinking will the battle be more complex what do you think lady gwyn
2: oh you know i'm I'm sure it'll be incredibly complex but um i do think that the narrative noose is kind of tightening on house Frey. um wins Look, it might not give us these satisfactory conclusions to a lot of major point of view arcs. Maybe we'll get some unsatisfactory conclusions <laughs> that we don't really want. Uh, that's been hinted at, but um, we might we might not get that sort of stuff yet. But uh, I no doubt that we'll get satisfying events. Uh, so I think that said, two thousand phrase turning into ice cubes would be very satisfying or or near enough. So, you know, there's there's that. Um and then, you know, there's other factors, because it's not just the phrase, right?
3: No. They're gonna be joined by the Mandalese who are going to be behind them and following. So Aziz Will the Mandalese kind of show up and join Stannis, or could they be mistaken for
0: foes or another idea? What do you think? I think, yeah, there's a lot of potential for chaos, for sure. Um, But George has set it up so that I think it will make sense if the Manderlees are able to do exactly what they want, which is hang back and... uh, join the attack the way they want to, which hopefully means attacking the Freys from behind. For example, uh, Theon says, Frey and Mandley will never combine their strengths. They will come for you, but separately. Uh, so, you know, some of Theon's predictions are maybe not great. He's over overly worried about Ramsay for obvious psychological reasons. But um, we also have this other evidence of, of Hostine Frey being... Pish posh about the snow. He already lost one horse to uh, a pit trap. The one, you know, and Aeneys he lost a a relative to a pit trap as well. Hostine's already lost an ear to frostbite. And he says something along, where's that line? He says something like, uh, I'm uh, no less a man than Hostine Frey, who had been heard growling that he did not fear a little snow, lost an ear to frostbite. So it's the, you can see how his courage is misplaced. It's not fear. You're not supposed to like be afraid or not afraid of snow. You're supposed to consider how it impacts the campaign it's it's a consideration not a like thing to like overcome your fear of you know it's like he's thinking about it like an enemy right like you're it's that's the kind of sir stupid thing that that stannis is referring to he's like this guy doesn't know how to properly frame things he's everything to him is something to be brave about to face with a sword and that those kind of people are really easy to trick, especially in when they're in very unfamiliar territory, which has also been pointed out a lot. You can kind of just see the language George uses to describe the the, the flaws and the shortcomings the Frey army has: leadership, br- overly brave, uh, wanting to kill their foe quickly. All this stuff—it just all these things imply. Uh you're walking into a trap. <laughs> yeah
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I mean when I say the narrative noose is tightening. George has done such a good job of setting them up as overconfident as as out of their element, you know, and maybe Hostine, who you know thinks he can just brave, you know outbrave the snow, she ought to talk with uh, with Giant's Giantsbane, who <laughs> wants to know if your sword can cut cold. Austine, you know, like, uh, no, <laughs> you kind of have the wrong idea about things if that's how you're approaching it. Um, so we didn't really talk about or I don't think we mentioned the fact that Stannis thinks that Manderlys killed his dear Davos. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not going to he he says, I think, after that uh, quote you read where, he, you know, where Theon says, you know, the phrase in, that the Manderlys won't. Uh, won't fight with the phrase. I think Stannis says something along the lines of, "You know, I'll, I'll deal with the Manderleys because they killed Davos." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, that that could be the the awkward thing that happens after you know the phrase fall through the ice, and we're already we the readers who you know from a meta point of view think about the Manderleys and Stannis as kind of natural allies, right? Um, mm-hmm. We'll be cheering, and then uh, you know. Stannis could start trying to deal with the Manderley. <laughs> so. Yeah, I
0: mean, the Manderley commander will surely know whatever he needs to know, whoever that commander is, because it's obviously not Wyman. And mm. we and the phrase in Manderley's, lit- I mean, Hostine literally cut uh, Wyman's face open, neck open, you know, mm-hmm. so the Manderleys are probably quite ready to, you know, bring out their grand plan. They're like, oh, we've been waiting, let us loose, Wyman like just like give yeah, us yes. the green light we want to get these guys badly because
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: um, obviously Wendell Manderly also I mean they're they're ready to go <laughs> Yeah, oh definitely
2: they, you know if, if they get the chance that's why you know I, I feel like they're going to be hard on on the rear of the phrase and, and not because they're coming to fight with them obviously Theon saw that um, but what Theon failed to see or maybe is that the Manderleys have no intention of fighting Stannis and other Northmen um, on behalf of Roose Bolton. I mean, that's um, more than likely not what their goal is in this. uh, I I consider it a gift that Roose Bolton sent sent them all out together, (laughs) (laughs) at least a gift to the Manderleys, because I'm sure they're going ah. <laughs> just you wait you know <laughs> that's
0: certainly what stannis thinks bolton has blundered Bolton has blundered yeah. he doesn't right. mince words as usual right. like, nope strategic mistake clearly <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no way around it <laughs>
3: okay why don't we talk about the potential for things to go wrong you know against stannis now because th- this is on topic so in the Asher fragment, which we talked about at the start of the episode, we learned that the phrase seemed to have beheaded Crowfood UMBER, and they're parading his head as part of their battle cry. So, Lady Gwyn, what what do we think happened to Crowfood? What was the situation?
2: Well, you know, he and his green boys built uh, dug those those pits, which led to Anis um die, falling in dying and um austin lost a horse as he said that um, he's uh so he's pissed off so obviously crow food has pissed off um austin umber and he's there with a very small you know group of of young boys kind of standing right athwart their path as they come out of Winterfell and make for Stannis' position. So um, they really didn't have a chance, you know, um, unless they ran away and somehow melted into the, the wilderness. Um, they didn't have much of a chance to stand against the phrase because that's 2,000 phrase, you know, fresh, well, as, as fresh as can be, uh, coming out of a besieged or snowed in um, hold fast there you know, mm. there's so there's much chance for them to defend themselves against that
3: when i read when, when i read about them i was fist pumping but really in mm-hmm. hindsight you can see that it was kind of a suicide mission maybe
0: mm-hmm. maybe yeah it might mm-hmm. be one of those like go out to Chop, go out hunting kind of plays that the yeah. lot of Northerners are effectively doing with this last bottle. Like, uh, what's that guy, the big bucket, and mm-hmm. all those guys, Morgan Little, and all those dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. One last battle. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah.
3: Peaks to troughs, doesn't he? He doesn't like to make it too easy for any of the characters. You know, after a high, there's, there's often a low afterwards. So what else could go wrong for Stannis here at the village? Or in the aftermath of the battle, what do you think, Aziz? What could be the trough? If Stannis is kind of, does win this battle on a high, what follows?
0: Well, the biggest obstacle that he may f- yet face is that he still, which Justin Massey points out, they still, even if they win this battle, how are they going to take Winterfell They're, You know, they talk about, Oh, we'll build siege engines. We'll build towers. We'll do this. So, and Justin Massey's like, that's not going to work. And I agree. Those things probably won't work, but that doesn't mean there aren't other options. That's part of the argument with Theon being alive still and him using him as a way to get in. Uh, the Manderleys may also be their way in. Say, look, we beat them. We're alive, etc. But th- none of those things have to work out, right? Like th- the problem could be there's just no way for them to get into Winterfell. They can't take Winterfell, uh, or the w- the weather, of course, is already a massive problem. It could get worse, right? Like as bad as it is, does anyone actually think this is the b- as worse as bad as winter will be? I mean, it's mm-hmm. bad, but. Mm-hmm. We aren't even in the winds of winter yet. So. Right. It's it's just autumn's kiss, as <laughs> he yeah, exactly
3: right. So so
0: th- and that's that's really kind of mind-boggling. I mean, I know they're over they're over kind of being macho about it, the Northerners, but they're not exaggerating entirely. It's gonna get a lot worse, and this army got stuck in this crofters' village for 19 days because of the weather. So one could see how. Weather could get worse and make that an even bigger problem, or uh, yeah, anything along those lines. So, to me, that's the biggest, most obvious problem. But obviously, other things could go wrong, like other commanders dying, or uh, Stannis's army taking too many casualties, or not enough of the fr- because perhaps not enough of the Frey army falls in the water and they have to have more of a regular battle. It's pretty easy to see a lot of minor things going wrong, and maybe if enough of those minor things go wrong, the whole thing doesn't work out. But I feel like, from a book perspective, from an excitement perspective, maybe one big thing going wrong might make might be more interesting. Um, and that could be the confusion between the two armies or the weather. I think those are the most likely uh, candidates for something going wrong. And that could imply Stannis having to retreat, which is... So on one hand, you could see why that might happen. On the other hand, Asha's, there's, there's a lot of ink spilled on Asha judging Stannis as someone who's just not going to turn back. And how certain and, and iron he is. So, Stannis, on one hand, something we still have to talk about a bit is the possibility of Stannis going back to the night for it. But for that to happen, he has to uh, have a setback. Or at least, or a victory. Like, if he takes Winterfell and gives it to somebody else, he's like, okay, well, time to head back to the Nightfort and work on preparing the wall. Um, So that would be, that's not a very good example of something going wrong. But it does get us to the Nightfort without something going wrong. So, yeah, trying to feel all these options through. And I definitely could see something going wrong, but I feel like Stannis, in the short term, has to have successes because of other things foreshadowed for him um, that he has to deal with like Shireen and I just really hope he goes to the night for it. I hope he doesn't die before that.
3: <laughs> okay. So the battle of ice, as we said, this is something that's definitely going to happen in Asher POV. So why don't we finish up with the battle talk and get onto the character of Asher? So we, we said in the Theon live stream, we hope his time as a kind of captive is coming to an end. So does this mean his sister becomes more valuable as a captive and a fly on the wall? Will Asher remain a captive through the winds of winter? If so, for how long? What do you think, Lady Gwyn?
2: Um, yes, I mean, I, I would put her as a captive, although... Captive is kind of, you know, take it as you will, because she's she's kind of an interesting sort of captive right now. She's got a personal guard of six of her most dedicated iron porn um, with her that have been ransomed by Tycho Nestoris so she's ostensibly Stannis' hostage, but she's walking around with with personal protection. Um, so it's it's all dependent on, you know, everybody's... These guys have sworn to fight for Stannis and her own sort of, you know, sense of honour here, like remaining there. But I think she'll stay with him through the end uh, because we're, you know, we're going to talk about some of the things she might witness. So I, I don't yes. see her leaving anytime soon.
3: So, if she was to be freed, Aziz, have you given any thought to how... That might be. Could she free herself, or is she gonna? Is someone else going to kind of rescue her? Do you have any ideas?
0: I don't see her leaving anytime soon. I feel like if she's going to leave, it'll be much later. Uh, perhaps after she's witnessed some of these things that we're going to talk about. I think her her role as a witness POV is very important, and George kind of almost hinted that she's not going anywhere for a while by giving her that leg wound or that that broken ankle or whatever it is cuz that's just there's no horses left the horses are being eaten or used by used for battle she's got no chance to steal a horse uh and like she says in in her last chapter she's got the she-bear guarding her and Justin Matthews he's like here I'll let me watch over her for a while uh you know I'll make sure she doesn't escape. And Asha's like, yeah. And like, where am I going to go if I did want to escape? (laughs) Like, what would I do? Like, where? Like, it's the snow. We're snowed in. Like, running away is is suicide, (laughs) let alone the fact that she literally cannot run. So, George has really given us some strong evidence that she's not going anywhere. uh, At least not of her own accord. And even with her men around her. And that's part of why, is her men aren't going to leave her either. If 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 she gets away, it's because they helped her. And if she's not going to get away, they're not going to try to run off without her, especially not like Triss. Um, mm. Of course, Theon has no say in it, but uh, still. Um, so that's it. I don't think she's going anywhere. I do think she's going somewhere later. I think she might be part of the, the plot line for the Iron Islands at the end. Someone has to rule the Iron Islands after Euron is presumably out of the story uh, I doubt the story ends with Euron alive. Let's uh, get that out of the way. Um, it seems kind of likely. but uh, So that means there has to be some endgame for the Iron Islands that involves probably a Greyjoy uh, taking control somehow. And, and we all saw the King's moot. Asha's vision for the Ironborn is clearly the best. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe not the most successful, but clearly the 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 one that we would like to see as far as our values right. <laughs> you know as humans, yeah. so maybe that's too much to hope for, but given uh the show yada, yada, yada Asha just taking it all back like well, maybe that's what is it's, it's at least it, it's not the be all end all evidence, but it is evidence that something similar mm-hmm. will happen, but with more detail a lot more detail. <laughs>
2: right yada, yeah.
3: yada, yada, yada 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 oh this <laughs> happened <laughs> sorry yeah i think we can come back to some of the like long long view predictions at, at, at the at the end of the episode and i was going to ask you you know speaking of what this sh- what can be gleaned from the show. In the show, there was a dark twist where we see Stannis presiding over the burning of his own daughter. If this plays out in the books, which a lot of a lot of the fandom believes is going to happen, then is it going to be through Asher's POV? Is Asher going to be our fly on the wall eyes for the Shireen sacrifice? What do you think, Lady Gwyn?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're we're all alluding to just now about her having to stick around to see more important things. Uh, there's, a, there's a very good chance of this. I mean, let's face it; it 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 can't be Melisandre. I could, we can't even imagine being in her head while this was happening. If, if she's the one that's organized this, um, even assuming that he, even if he came back, it, it wouldn't be Davos. He he can't be there. Davos would would save Shireen. We're trying. I mean, he he wouldn't stand by and let this happen. We pretty much be a hundred percent. I think this may be one thing that we can be a hundred percent sure of. Uh but you know, seeing it through the eyes of a more neutral character, uh, who doesn't know Shireen might make it more impactful to the reader on some levels. And then um I we we were talking the other night and I was remembering how in her chapter The Sacrifice there were Uh, those, those men who were burned uh, for cannibalism. Uh, And in that group, there was a very young, I don't know if he was a squire or just a very young man, um, who was one of the ones burned. And that was the one that she seemed to focus on of that group. I mean, once the other guy got himself killed, she was like, duly horrified about this this poor kid so if that i don't know if that's some sort of foreshadowing of her seeing some other young person um in this horrific situation
0: yeah i totally agree i think it's going to be her the the sacrifice chapter really sets it up she's all like "Ah, i the she-bear who later asha notes is someone you don't mess with is like you don't need to see this and asha's like oh i'll watch it i'm i've seen worse and then she sees it. She's like, "Okay, I haven't seen worse."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that like famous last words, or you know? yeah,
0: it's like narrator. She had not seen worse, <laughs> and <laughs> and that's really telling because she thinks of things she's seen and is like, "Yeah, this is worse." She thinks of the the uh, the problem with. Um, uh, with seeing people's slit, throat slit and given to the drowned god and all that and how that just, ew, it's too much for her. So mm-hmm. yeah, she's the one who's witnessed this sort of thing and has been set up for it and is in captivity with the man who's so likely to do it. So
3: Yeah. So Asha could be our perfect eyes for the sacrifice. So why don't we move on to talk about... Asher's romantic life, let's say. There are numerous men who desire Asher for one reason or another. There's Justin Massey of Stannis's camp, who might want to marry her. There's Tris Botley, who has a somewhat naive crush on her. And then there's Carl the Maid, who's been her lover off and on for years. Where will these relationships go in the Winds of Winter? Lady Quinn, set us off.
2: Well, you know, she's got Triss and Carl right with her. They're part of that group of six there uh, with her and now have sworn to fight for Stannis. Uh, you know, Triss is suitable but because uh, he's you know, now, uh, if, if, if Euron hadn't gotten involved um you know he's he's a lord of the in the iron islands um but she doesn't really you know she's it's not something that Asha's interested in pursuing on the other hand carl asha herself thinks that uh that he's you know as much as she likes him and enjoys being with him and (laughs) everything else about their relationship uh she he's not suitable you know he's he's not someone that she asha Greyjoy, could ever you know pursue a long-term relationship with i mean she's still very much um in tune with the sort of expectations of their feudal society that they live in um which is an interesting thing about her because you know she seems like she's kind of an iconoclast and you know she's a great pirate queen but she does give thought to oh you know Carl isn't suitable I couldn't do that and she's also you know I referred to her sort of the honor of her you know just you know her her broken ankle aside I, I don't think she would run away from Stannis um well maybe she would but you know she she seems like she's very much honoring all the elements of of their sort of social contract that exists so long-winded way of saying as much as she might want to have a relationship with Carl, I don't see that going anywhere. And Tris, you know, as much as he wants to have a relationship with her, I don't think that's going anywhere either. Which leaves us with who?
3: <laughs> Justin Massey, who in the Sample, ch- Theon Sample Chapter for The Winds of Winter, is sent overseas to Essos to try and um, get a sellsword company for Stannis. What what do you think about Asher and Justin Massey, Aziz?
0: Well, I am a little dubious it will go anywhere like you guys are. Just, Justin Massey isn't exactly set up as the kind of character you think has like this, is the guy who's gonna be ruling the Ironborn.
2: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it yeah, doesn't really, that just seems weird. Uh, I wonder, I, I do think that there's more to come from him because, yeah, he's this lead. He's going to be bringing back cell swords probably, and I think that's going to happen, um, especially because he's been told, even if you hear I'm dead, you know, keep going. So Massey's not going to be like, oh, Stannis is dead, so I'll just, never mind. So he's, he's specifically been told to keep going, even in that case. So uh, I'm really curious to see if he's going to bring back a lot of men. Or how many men, and whether Arya is going to be involved at all if he goes to directly to the Iron Bank and and starts gathering swords in Bravos, or if he goes somewhere else because he's already got the paperwork. I don't know exactly how this the logistics of of getting the funds from the Iron Bank works and, and all that. There's, that's a little bit of a missing piece to the to the puzzle there, but they're supporting him, which is a gigantic thing. I mean the Iron Bank backing someone is massive. <laughs> and that is part of we we touched on why Stannis became so energized. I'm pretty sure that's a big reason why for part of his energy. Is not only has he figured out the Carstark plan by then, but he's gotten like a massive infusion of money which he also as a commander and military strategist knows that that is crucially important. And the fact that the Iron Bank is backing him, and not the Iron Throne is also a huge shot in the arm. He's like, wait, they're not going to back multiple sides. They don't. That's not their kind of mm-hmm. people. Do that, but the Iron yeah. Bank does it apparently. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. So there's just a lot there. Um, so this is kind of veering away from Asha again, but <laughs> but that's the nature of a POV who's set up to to be a witness to important things. Her feelings on all these things are really important, and yeah, like whether or not she has a child later. Ah, gosh, that's.
3: Uh, w- We'll definitely come to that later. So, not much later. <laughs> as, as we're talking about her suitors, let's not for, forget that Asher is married. You know, it's easy to forget. The dude's name is Eric Ironmaker. He's he's an old he's an old guy. So, w- what's going to happen to this relationship, if you can call it that, <laughs> Lady Gwyn?
2: This relationship. <laughs> <laughs> not only. They're they're married, but it was a proxy marriage, and her the uh, stand-in bride was a seal. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, how how much this is going to stand up. And uh, the last time the bride saw the groom was, I think, must have been at the king's moot, where she basically humiliated him in front of everyone. Um, he's a very old man and very enormous, and can't can't um oh gosh jeff (laughs) he can't he can't stand up and other things so yeah he's you know there's (laughs) there's not any real chance of that becoming a uh, a relationship per se uh if he dies which you know everybody seems to think that he could die at any moment you know what is it? Where does that leave the Iron Islands? I think that's an interesting question because does his family have any hold over Asha if he dies? He's Euron's steward or, you know, he's Euron's representative who who is left in charge. Um, so what happens then? You know, is, does, is that maybe the uh, inn that she needs?
3: Hmm. Okay. Just getting back to something that Aziz mentioned. Before she was captured, Asha and Carl made love at Deepwood Mott. Afterwards, she thought about the need to brew some moon tea. So as not to risk bringing another kraken into the world. As far as we can tell, she never got that moon tea. So by now, about three months have passed. So... What we want to know is, will Asher be welcoming a little Carl into the winds of winter? And we asked our followers on Twitter last night what they thought. Take it away, Lady Gwyn. <laughs>
2: well, uh, the small the sample of the fandom that uh, responded to the quiz was pretty, really sp- split. Um, we got respondents of 52 uh, percent. Saying yes, yes, little Carl is on the way, and forty-eight uh, percent said no. Um, so um, I have to admit that I put myself in the forty-eight percent. But you know, that's a it's it's a statistical tie, pretty much. So um, you could become, you know, you could win an election with that kind of. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyways. Um, no i mean i don't i don't know you know it'd be great if um it'd be an interesting and and fun plot point but um i have to point out that we see very very few babies actually being born you can count them on one hand even if you include um uh (laughs) reiko you can still (laughs) count them on one hand that's true count them on three fingers
0: Count them on three-finger hob.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Even three-finger hob could count them all on one hand. Even great, John.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Aziz, what do you
3: think of the chances of this pregnancy?
0: Okay, so my take on this pregnancy is that it's George gardening. He threw that moon tea line in there because he wants the option. Hmm. Maybe he's already decided one Hmm. way or the other, but it gives him the option. By Suggesting that she didn't have a chance to have moon tea. The door is open, but it doesn't. If that door doesn't open, or not, or rather, if nothing emerges from that door, a little Carl or Carla, <laughs> then <laughs> we, then it's nothing, and no one's going to be like, "Why isn't she pregnant?" You know, that's right. not a. <laughs> that's not how that works. So, let's get dark with this idea. If she has a child and is still in captivity with Stannis, that is a child with king's blood. Oh <laughs> dear. <laughs> so yeah. is Stannis yeah. just gonna ra- <laughs> is Stannis gonna round
3: up all the children in the winds of winter
0: oh lord <laughs> bonfire a this bonfire of yeah the bonfire of humanity of the, babe, of I the I inhumanities
2: know. yeah <laughs> uh, wow um yeah you know i guess i guess that's a actually a very good take that it that it's something that may not have been decided may, may have been decided now but wasn't decided then it's um um that is dark I'm just like thrown into a whirlwind of darkness now thinking about how that he, could he, play out
0: <laughs> he, could, he could have like that child could be the heir to the Iron Islands or it could be burned to death or Theon could be you know or Theon's child with the girl from the Miraham yeah. you know there's just these mm-hmm. possibly pregnant women mm-hmm. that could be the future ruler of the Iron Islands Right. but we don't even know if these children exist
2: <laughs> yeah that's interesting because um, well I, that's actually that's a good point that there is a parallel also possible baby kraken in theon's you know in theon's storyline so um maybe he was hedging his bets to see where this was gonna go oh well they could make either one of them have a kid i you know i have the power to do to do whichever one strikes me so um yeah
0: I've wondered the same thing about Cersei, um, you know, whether she'll ever, you know, if she she wouldn't have another child because of the Valonqar thing, but you could see how someone like, I don't know, Euron, since that relationship was on TV, I kind of, it's kind of a, odd to picture that on the show, or in the books, but if it did happen, that would be the same kind of thing he would want, he would want a child from her, maybe f- because of the king's blood power, and then what he could do with that kid. Not that he wanted an heir necessarily, or <laughs> something like that. I don't know. But this is all like possible, like, but probably not. You know, Jeff in the chat, Jeff Hartland says in the chat that more burnings might undercut the narrative pow- impact of Shireen's burning. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, that's true. Um, you, too many burnings would be would definitely make that feel less powerful. Um, especially if Asha's already had her own child burn, then seeing Shireen burn would not be nearly as horrifying. Um, her own mm-hmm. child would be worse for her from her perspective.
3: From her, her perspective,
2: yeah. So if it if she's the point of view, you know, that might that might. I think that's a good point. Yeah,
3: I, I think I agree with what with what Jeff said there.
0: What if it's just her fear of it? Like she's got the child is born and she sees it happen to Shireen, and she's like, "Oh my God, they're gonna do mm-hmm. this to my baby too."
2: Yeah, exactly. but it doesn't actually happen.
0: But yeah. she could have the fear of it.
2: Hmm. Definitely, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. That you know, I mean, we've seen that we've seen that in in other. You know, in you know, at the wall, this fear of of a a baby being taken and driving the narrative. Yeah, so certainly could be that.
0: It would give her more sympathy for yeah, just her being a mother. Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah, it could be. It could could play into the Shireen thing, or if she's pregnant, watching. Yeah, it doesn't have to be born. She She, could just be. she could could just just be pregnant pregnant. and and thinking. You know, this makes it. Um, you know, it just makes it like I said, maybe more impactful in some way. Um, that that's unexpected to us so
3: okay dark conversation and it's not going to stop <laughs> <laughs> after after Ramsay tortures theon asha barely recognizes her brother he's so changed by the whole experience it must be difficult to relate to theon these days with what he's gone through and the the changes internally and externally of Theon Greyjoy. So, as siblings, what what's their future? How do they kind of relate to each other? Lady Gwyn, have you got any ideas?
2: Well, you know, she she recognized enough to know that he was a dead man, as far as Stannis and the Northmen are concerned. So, and she she's already tried to ease his execution that is save him from burning you know she's challenged Stannis to uh, execute him in front of the tree in a you know stark style or northern style execution rather than giving him to this foreign god that you know the northmen do not hold with And, and since his crimes were crimes against the north she's she's made a very good case for that very boldly might i add so you know Will she go as far as actually trying to save him um, by releasing him after some sort of chaotic event? Maybe a, maybe a battle, maybe maybe further down the road, somebody, you know, Stannis dies, or, or or who knows, whatever kind of chaos we've talked about could happen after the battle on the ice. Does there come an opportunity where Asha does something to save theon, you know, get him out of there.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I definitely feel there's, you know, some dynamics that need to be explored between these two. And in I think it's a feast for crows. Asha talks to Tris Botley about the the historical precedent of Targon latecomer. How do we see this Playing out in Ar you You know, wh- why was Torgon the latecomer introduced? And w- what's the future for this kind of um, plot point?
0: It's a good example of George using history to perhaps foreshadow the future, something he loves to do that uh, we talk about, um, you know, ad infinitum, which, because it never gets old and there's always new things to discover. <laughs> so, Hey, but yeah, so the, the Torgon, the latecomer, was a dude who missed the King's moot, but he was eligible for it. He was off reaving and of all places, apparently the shield islands. Cause Hey, that's, they love to go there. Uh, and he, when he came back, people were grumbling about the quality of the King that they actually had elected. So they're like, actually, maybe we made a mistake and legal loophole. This guy should have been eligible that all applies to Theon. Theon will, is Balon's heir. He absolutely should have had his place at the king's moot to take a shot, to take a stab, to say, hey, this is why I should be the leader. If not the standard laws that would have had him be the the king of the Iron Islands anyway. But, and you could see why the Iron Islands might be like, eh, we made a mistake electing Euron, this guy's not working out so great. You could, you could It's not hard to, you don't have to squint to see that possibility emerging. Um and so, how we get to that point, I don't have any idea. But you could the fact that Theon may, be, may have impregnated that girl on the ship that took him to the Iron Islands. Um, he even mentions it. He's like, all the times I've been with you, you're bound to have a child. <laughs> it's like, no, right. hello. <laughs> <laughs> <Take> <laughs> on time. the other hand, it's a little you wonder about that a little bit because we saw that Captain the Mirham a few months later. And I mean, he wouldn't have necessarily mentioned his daughter being pregnant, but (laughs) this, this kid would have already been born by now. Uh, So if he's out there, I don't know how anyone finds this kid or yeah, but there, obviously there's ways for that to happen. It's not something that's impossible. It's just how do you get from point B to point C here after we get from point A to point B? I I have no idea, but it's, it's easy to, to see that happening Mm. once the path is cleared, like Theon and Asha survive, or Theon's child is discovered somehow, mm-hmm. and that this person is put forward as an heir. But that, like, how is a child going to rule the Iron Islands? So I don't know, that's, that's also a little strange.
2: Yeah, like, the whole it gets back to the whole, you know, boy lords and being the bane of houses, especially in times like this. So, um, but, you know. If he Asha's, has an
0: heir, it helps his case, because he can't procreate. Like yes exactly kind of
2: so where he's at from where he's at right now um you know obviously going forward he can't make new heirs so it would certainly be nice if he had one ready made from his past <laughs> so um I think you know definitely I-, I was thinking of of a um a kind of parallel I guess or maybe maybe I was kind of like Just finding ways for them to fit together to a um, something completely different, but a show that a lot of us are watching or maybe books a lot of us have read um, in The Last Kingdom. Um, This is spoilery if if you haven't watched the most recent season. So fair warning, block your ears. Um, You see we see Uhtred accepting um, being the Lord of Mercia and then being and then he turns around and gives it to Aethelflaed. It's like, oh no, actually, you're the lady. The first of act <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> I just I I quit and it's gonna be her because she's the one that's worthy. And, you know, could we see um I was thinking about that, you know, maybe we Theon would do something like that if if they used the precedent of Torgon Latecomer and the fact that he's alive to call a new kingsmoot or invalidate Euron's Kingsmoot, um, and, you know, could he go there and sort of you know put himself forward but then you know throw in all of his support to his sister so i was thinking about that and then i realized that that's more or less how it worked out in the show <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so i mean I, I i don't know if that's worth anything but um because they did kind of like you said yada 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 that whole kind of storyline so well it
3: definitely yeah. seems more Of Asha's plan and interest in Theon's, especially what we've discussed about Theon's future last week Mm -hmm. so the, the seeds for this in the story are when Asha became a POV in Feast where she desired to be the ruler of the Iron Islands so to what extent does this fact inform us of her eventual endgame is ruling ash's destiny in this story what do you think is ease?
0: i think there's a pretty good chance of it yeah i mean just looking at the high points i think obviously as always whenever we reference the show it's just as possible evidence it's never well, not never, but it, rarely is it something that you're like, oh, that's definitely going to also happen in the books. But just the fact that Asha ends up in charge of the Iron Islands is a pretty darn big clue. I mean, you can't get away from that. Um, Theon having a noble death in the show, that is a distinct possibility in the books as well. I, it won't be that kind. It won't be fighting the Night King, but... Fighting for Winterfell, or fighting for the North, or fighting for the Starks, or just a brave death fighting for humanity. Like, any of those things make, uh, are, are totally worthy endings for him that make sense. And, uh, that kind of leaves her as the most likely standing. Like, if you count all the Greyjoys, who's gonna live? Euron? Nah. Victorian? Nah. <laughs> Theon? Maybe. And then Aaron, like, dude's already strapped to the prow of a ship. Like, no. And he's not a king type anyway. So, uh, (laughs) where Asha seems like the most likely one to be alive when it's all done as far as Greyjoys. And if she's got a Greyjoy son, or Theon has a Greyjoy son... And she kind of can rule as a regent, so they don't have to accept her as queen because they're all against queens. I don't, you know, maybe they change their mind. But if, if they don't, this is kind of a way around that where she's sort of like a regent. Um, she's like Ned Stark <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully more like Ned than Cersei, I would think. But, <laughs> but that kind of thing. And uh, Joe Magician suggested uh, having those two kids marry, uh, Asha's kid with Carl marrying theon's Meraham child <laughs> hey,
2: asha could not? raise them up and you know just be like it's not the, a bad uh, idea uh, yeah.
0: so
3: if <laughs> asha's story has a kind of destiny written on it that she could be a ruler one day lady gwyn what kind of ruler do you think asha would be
2: well, I I give you the pinecone speech uh, from *Face for Crows*. <laughs> turnips, uh, turnips, pinecones. <laughs> she basically, in the in her in the King's movie, she illustrated that their all their victories in the North brought them nothing more than pinecones, pebbles, and turnips. And she concludes that she will offer peace, uh, land, victory. She says, "I'll." give you Sea Dragon Point in the stony shore, black earth and tall trees and stones enough for every younger son to build a hall. We'll have the Northmen, too, as friends to stand with us against the Iron Throne. Your choice is simple. Crown me for peace and victory, or crown my uncle for more war and more defeat. So in my opinion, if Asha is a ruler, she is going to follow in the steps of her grandfather Quelon who was highly respected amongst the ironborn, but he was also a reformer who sought out um, a greater sort of integration with the seven kingdoms.
0: Yeah. I like the the callback to Kellon here a lot, and I think that that is super relevant, and I think that what Asha's plan for the Iron Islands was before the king's moot is going to ring even more necessary afterwards, because I do think Euron is going to just... his Leadership is going to cause much, prob- a lot of problems for the Ironborn as well as Westeros in general. But they're going to be really badly screwed, I think, uh, financially and just manpower-wise. A lot of their people are going to be dead. And they aren't exactly a financial powerhouse in the first place. Their economy isn't very strong. So somebody that looks to rebuild the whole thing after it's been destroyed by mismanagement and another attempt at... The old way, or Euron's new way, whatever new old way—I don't even know what you want to call his thing—but it's not going to work. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be interesting and fun. But at the end, they're going to have to pick up the pieces, and Asha's really, really well equipped to do that because it was already her plan in the first place. It was she had a she had plans for growth and trade, and that is exactly the kind of thing that will get them out of this hole if they agree to do it and and um follow her lead so i i think there's it's interesting that of all the kingdoms the iron islands looks to maybe have one of the most optimistic endings if it goes like this at all of course we could be just completely wrong about everything i think i feel like if sansa ends up in charge of the north that's pretty uh, that's pretty optimistic and, and a good like you could see how that would work out well in the long term but similarly but but sansa hasn't Laid out plans for the North yet? We've already seen Asha like lay out a a platform, so it's, it seems a lot more pr- um, seems a lot more pr- uh, present, like a lot more um, you know pr- foreshadowed. Even if is a much more important character, uh, so yeah. So I feel I think I lean very very strongly in that direction as far as that being partly set up um, for her to come back to that uh, as as an option to to kind of wrap it all up.
2: Yeah, I and mean, isn't that and that's George's it's it's so much his thing too like that the fact that she has a platform and she has plans you know like if you you go back to the classic george wondering about aragorn's tax policy you know like (laughs) here here we're actually seeing a character who's a potential ruler actually i mean not her tax policy but she's she is actually defining what her policy would be um, which you don't get to see with a lot of these people. I mean, Iran, Euron, Iran's policy is, oh, I don't know, which is <laughs> dragons, blah blah blah. Um, you know, it's part it's kind of profit. it's, it's yeah. kind of hollow. So. Or three, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and, uh, and let us
3: let us lead into a final talking point on this subject. So, ultimately, are the Iron Isle's going to be incorporated into the Seven Kingdoms once again, Lady Gwynn?
2: Well, I'm going to just be kind of snarky and and turn this back around (laughs) on you. Does anyone in the Seven Kingdoms even remember that the Iron Islands (laughs) declared themselves independent? I mean, (laughs) like, like, considering who's in charge now or who might be in charge in the future, like who among them even has the time or the strength or the will to prosecute another war, to bring the iron islands back into the fold. Um, I mean, thinking about how, how much of a big deal it was when Robert Baratheon had to rally. I mean, he had, you know, basically, you know, the North and he had the Westerlands and he had, um, did he have the veil i mean he had, he had a huge army put together to go and bring and defeat balon's first rebellion so i mean it's not a small thing to bring to bring the iron islands back um, unless they come willingly so that's you know it's 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 a question of do they need to be brought back or are they just going to bring themselves back
0: if i could step back to kellon for just a yeah. second too yes. i think that's it, it, the fact that he tried this i mean that's a that's a historical pattern you see in the real world you see you see people try to reform something and they fail but but other people come along and try to make six, uh, the same reforms later and eventually succeeds it's because that need is there it's not just like it's not random it's this culture needs it some people within it see that they move towards making these reforms the population resists it but maybe the next generation doesn't or the generation after that doesn't and this eventually maybe these, these reforms take or not. But uh, it's I like that setup that mm-hmm. the, she won't be the first one trying to do this if she does it. In fact, I suspect George hadn't written this stuff about Kellon
2: hmm.
0: when he wrote that or hadn't thought, well, he definitely hadn't written it. Whether he'd thought of it, I'm not sure. But if he had thought of it, I feel like he would have had Asha bring it up. Um, mm-hmm. She might have yeah. mentioned this is like, this is a vision you know, my, my grandfather, Kellan Greyjoy, who was mm. an overwhelming figure, Call six back. foot six, yes. big yeah. dude, like successful. Um, calling his name out would be, would lend a little power to her cause. So mm-hmm. I think that that was just something George added later. So maybe now she'll be sick. Sing- like if she gets a chance later, mm-hmm. she'll bring up her granddad. Yeah. And that'll, that'll help bring a few people to her side. Like Roderick the reader. Like another thing about Asha that you got to love is, her her uncle her uncle Roderick who is one of the like everyone's top five Ironborn you know everyone's maybe maybe number one non Greyjoy Ironborn you know yes. <laughs>
2: definitely uh, definitely yeah if I, I I like that I think if we if we get to Winds of Winter and we see Asha uh, all of a sudden talking about her grandfather um, you know that's that's pretty good indication that like you said the reason why George kind of writes a lot of this backstory is to inform the story that he's writing. Um, so, you know, that's, if we see that, we can probably be pretty sure that that's the, the, the path she's going to take. Like, she, maybe she starts thinking about Quell on Greyjoy and we're like, oh, yeah, I know where this is going, right?
0: Yeah, I wonder about the, without them returning to the fold, I think, I wonder about Asha and the independence issue, whether she'll try to keep them independent and say, look, we're going to be independent, but we're going to behave. Mm-hmm. And if we don't behave, then we'll cry, you know, then you'll have cause <laughs> you'll have inc- ca- like if she signs a contract says, look if we don't y- y- if if this contract is broken and lots of reaving happens then I-, I you know you you have my permission to <laughs> come <laughs> stop us but I will con- keep them con- under control or something like that I don't know mm-hmm. but uh also one other thing about that um she gets to say I told you so if she wants to she said in the king's mood she said crown me for peace and victory or you know crown my uncle for war and defeat and she can be like look you crown my uncle war and defeat yeah. hello if you <laughs> listen to me this time got what <laughs> those few promised. of you left right yes <laughs> truth
3: so yeah. i think we can all hope for some peace in the iron islands towards the latter end of the books and that's it for today Thank you so much to Aziz, our very special guests. Why don't you tell us where to find you and what you're up to creatively?
0: All right. Thank you for having me. First of all, it's uh, really fun to talk about the Winds of Winter. Uh, Asha is super fun predicting where she's going to go and what she's going to witness is really interesting topic because it's some of the biggest events in the North are are possibly going to be witnessed by her. So that's huge. So what we're doing over on my channel is we're working on working our way through the books. We're doing Valar Reridus, of course, and we just finished Storm of Swords. So we are starting Feast for Crows a week from tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, as in Sunday, since this records on Saturday, we are releasing a Serwyn of the Mirror Shield episode. It's a bit of a different style episode for us. It's all visual Uh, my voice is in it but not my face so that's the unusual part lots of a lot more graphics and and maps and stuff like that so that's cool and we're um what else are we doing i always forget we're doing other things (laughs) (laughs) so just uh just check out history of westeros to stay (laughs) informed and um you'll know what's coming we've uh we're we're, we're, with with a feast for crows underway we're going to be getting into some more of our scripted content as well blackwood part two is still under development and um we have a Lomas Longstrider episode in the pipeline that's been there for a while. So, yeah, we got lots of stuff going.
2: Yeah. And lots of Ironborn coming up in Feast for Crows.
0: Ah, yes, yes. People are very excited for Feast for Crows. It's an interesting thing about the reread project is that, you know, you're going through the first three books, and most of the things you're tackling are things that are, you have, you can speak to the whole arc of. Like, we can speak to the whole arc of Rob Stark and Catelyn, well, not Stoneheart, but Catelyn Tully. But with getting into Feast and Dance, it's more like, well, is this foreshadowing or not? I don't know. But when you see the whole cycle, you can say that was foreshadowing. We saw, we saw it happen later, but with these later books, it's more about guessing and figuring out. So that's, it's a whole different look. Um, so that's really fun. So thanks again for having me all. And I look forward to your future streams of winter, uh, with, with other guests that I will be watching.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of the future, I thank you for being here today. Uh, Thanks all of our listeners for being here today. Thank you to our listeners in the future, who will be listening or watching the pre-recorded version of this. Um, good to have you here. Next week, we'll be back and we are going to have a special guest with us talking about Sansa Stark. And that is going to be Chloe from Girls Gone Canon, AKA Liza Arbor on Twitter. Uh, we're very excited for that, and that will be as a companion to our upcoming episode two in our Winds of Winter Primer series, which uh, should be uh, into its patron rollout by the time we get to next week. So we're not promising a day yet.
3: <laughs> we're not promising, but I can promise that, it, that it's a real monster. I've been working <laughs> on, on the editing side, and it, it's just looking like... At least three hours. It's Brand, Sansa, Aya, Davos. You know, it, it should be a, a really good episode. So that should be out pretty soon. And as the live streams, we'll be back next week, as Lady Gwynne said, every Saturday for the foreseeable future, talking the Winds of Winter point of views. Thanks to all of you who have tuned in. And don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. If you'd like to support Radio Westeros, please know that we have a Patreon campaign with all manner of patron benefits. And thanks again, stay safe, and
2: see
1: you next time. Bye for now